Welcome to the Professional Plumber Podcast. We hope that these podcasts will bring some insight into who we are and what we do. So while in conversation with the PIRB, sit back, enjoy, and make sure to connect with the PIRB on Facebook or at pirb.co.za for more. A warm welcome to our audience. My name is Willem Klopper. I'm your host. And in this episode, we are going to have a nice technical discussion around the TP valve and the TP valve discharge. Now, with me in studio, again, as usual for these technical discussions, I have Mr. Richard Bailey wearing his uh, technical cap as usual. Richard, welcome. Thanks for your time and your effort in joining me in studio. Thanks, Willem. Uh, yeah, no, always, always very happy to be here. Always enjoy these technical uh, discussions. I'm still getting used to, uh, you know, people calling me Mister and, and that. So I'm, I'm still pretty uncomfortable <laughs> with that. But anyway, we'll get through it. Uh. I mean, <laughs> I'm used to being, you know, I'm used to being hailed on site. You know, hey, Zay, come so. You know, so yeah. <laughs> Richard. At least I didn't call you Miss or Miss. No, this is true. This is true, Willem. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Before we continue with our conversation, have a listen to this. Are you a tradesperson or a trading company that is looking for a platform to market your services? Let Articulated speed up the process for you. You can use our podcast to sell your services. Email us for a quote at organizer at articulated.co.za. You can also visit our website at www.articulated.co.za. Let's get straight into this episode. We're talking about the TP valve. What is the TP valve? Yeah. Okay. So start where, where it needs to start. And let's try and explain what the TP valve is and what the function of the TP valve is. And, and again, plumbers out there, I know that you know, but remembering that this is a podcast and, and we need to get this basic sort of overview to uh, and, and make it accessible for the homeowner to also kind of get an understanding what the TP valve is. So, uh, the, 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 the two letters, the TP, stand for temperature and pressure, right? So, those are the two, mm-hmm. uh, well, those, that, that's the acronym for, for temperature and pressure. So, the valve's name is the temperature and pressure emergency relief valve. That is, that is its full name. So, as that name implies, it fulfills two functions. Well, put it this way, it it senses, it is able to detect two things. One is pressure and the other is temperature. And then the last part of the name suggests that it is a relief valve and it does so only in emergencies. So the temperature and pressure emergency relief valve. So what does that tell us? It says to us, well, it shouldn't happen as a matter of course. It shouldn't discharge any water if everything is hunky-dory. Simply put, this valve is the last line of defense and the last line of protection uh, to preserve the integrity of the geezer and of the system, but especially the geezer. Having said that, consider that this valve is it's considered to be part and parcel of a geezer. You will never go to a shop and buy a geezer that does not have this valve included in that purchase. It is sold with a geezer. It is supplied with a geezer. Yes, you can buy them separately, mm-hmm. but it is part and parcel. It's an integral part of the geezer and the geezer's uh, structure, and it cannot be viewed as something which is separate from the geezer. So I know it's a bit of 
I, I know I'm harping on this, but it, it you've just got to understand that 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 it is it is not to be considered a separate entity of the Giza. It's part and parcel of the Giza. And that means a few things. Number one, you cannot chop and change valves as you wish. You, whatever comes with that Giza must stay with that Giza. So pressure, ratings, etc., etc., all those things. The, the, picture, the picture that's forming in my mind, Richard, I immediately, when you say this, the, the words that you've said now uh, about being part and parcel, uh, yes, you can buy it separately, but it comes with the, it's almost like the brakes on a car. I mean, it's, it, mm. you can buy them separately, but it, you cannot have a car without brakes. Uh, yeah. But it is part and parcel of the Giza. Now, how exactly does it work? Mm. Okay, so the valve itself, it's, as, a, as we've already alluded to, has two functions, to sense excess pressure, and that's quite a simple mechanism. It's very similar to the pressure relief valve on a, on a, on a, on a, on a geezer, whereby it is a spring and a seat. Now, that spring is preset to a factory, um, well, a, a, a manufacturer's requirements, so just to give you uh, an example, if you're talking about a pressure relief valve on a conventional uh, pressure valve to a geezer, the one that allows excess pressure to be relieved when the geezer heats up, that will open up. In other words, the spring pressure is set to open up quite a significant amount below the actual um pressure rating of the geezer, thereby ensuring that the geezer never really is able to reach um, a very high pressure or an unsafe pressure at all. However, if that starts to malfunction and uh, the pressure increases beyond that, now the TP valve. So if the TP valve opens up, it opens up at 150% of the pressure rating of the geezer. So sure. you know that if the TP valve is rated at 600 kPa. If it's a 600 kPa uh, geezer with a 600 kPa pressure, uh, TP valve and it opens up because of excess pressure, it is opening up at 900 kPa. Hmm. So already there's a significant problem happening within the system. Sure. So it doesn't open up for willy-nilly stuff. Hmm. It, 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 is, it, is, it is really and truly the last line of defense. So from a pressure perspective, it's a spring against a seat. And then from a temperature perspective, because it will also check to see that the temperature in the tank is kept at a reasonable level or at the correct level. And if it starts to misbehave, it then starts to get excited and says, oh, I must now open up. Mm. And that opens up uh, at a temperature of between... 94 and 98 degrees Celsius. Sure. So it's boiling. It's boiling water. It's For kettle sure. water. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 and it does so by means of a very simple mechanical mechanism. It's got a, it's got a temperature probe where um, if you look at, you can search it on the internet, there's a, there's a rod in there which uh, basically expands and gets longer and it pushes up against that same seat with the, um, that we spoke of the pressure, that same seat has got a little receptacle into which this rod is able to press. And if it gets hot enough, it'll open up and it'll simply lift lift that valve. But what happens is 
it opens up to such an extent because there's a uh, it's 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 almost like an on off switch right mm -hmm. and it opens up and it will allow up to 40 liters a minute of that hot water to escape sure now you must know that if i'm gonna squirt kettle water at you <laughs> at 40 liters a minute my brew, you better you better know that you must get out of the way. Stand aside. <laughs> you stand aside. Okay, it is terrifically dangerous, Willem. This is the this is the critical thing I'm trying to the point I'm trying to make is it's very it's a very dangerous situation when this valve has to start working. Mm. It is a dangerous situation that you're in. Okay. Hence, hence also, hence also the fact that when we said at the beginning of this podcast, we're not only going to dis discuss the valve itself, but also the discharge thereof. This is where the mm. discharge part comes in, because I mean, where does that hot water go if, in that emergency instance, it happens? Where does it go? I mean, that's exactly, exactly. And 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 I think we I think we will chat about the overflow in in depth there. You know, we will. We definitely will. Before we continue with our conversation, have a listen to this. Introducing the Plumbing Industry Registration Board Company Registration Portal. Now you can register your company to have access to more benefits, including purchasing and allocating certificates of compliance to your PRB-registered employees. Visit www.pirb.co.za to find out more information. All right, looking at the valve itself. Uh, Richard, what what can go wrong? If anything, what can go wrong with the valve, mm. with, with this TP valve? Yeah, given that it's a mechanical thing, I mean, anything will can malfunction, right? So, um, we we understand that there is a there is a there is a seat and and a and a and a plunger on top of that seat with a spring above it, and then there's this uh, temperature rod underneath. So it's it's purely a mechanical story, right? There's no electronics or anything. But if you start to interfere with the with the with the mechanics, like for example calcification, if you've got hard water and you've got a high um, uh, 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 well very hard water which has dissolved minerals in it and it, and and leaves mineral deposits, we call that calcification. And bearing in mind that uh, with increased temperature in a system within water so is there an increase in the deposit of these minerals so there is calcification occurs more readily in hot water systems than they do in cold water systems so the tp valve is situated in the geyser it's the most it's the hottest part of the geyser because that that's where it must be to be able to 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 detect the the temperature problems so it is very susceptible to calcification. We've come across, well, I say we as an industry, I certainly have come across dozens of TP valves that from the outside look perfectly fine, and as soon as you take them out, the calcification is built up to such an extent that it actually blocks the, the water path within that valve, and it can impede the operation of the valve. So that's a big thing. Is 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 well? It comes with age. Obviously, it's not going to happen in three months. But if it's a reasonably old valve, you should, yeah, that's calcification. Then what plumbers or installers? I'm not going to maybe call them plumbers, but what people do is they modify, try to jimmy, try to MacGyver the the the, the TP valve, or they don't understand what it's good for, and they put plugs on it, <laughs> and or they put extensions in it. Now, 
you cannot what we'll go back to what we said about this valve being an integral part of the geyser. It's part of the geyser in the same way that I'm not going to go and cut a hole in the geyser and silicon or glue or nail a piece of glass in there so I can see my water boil. I'm not going to tamper with the geyser tank. Then you shouldn't tamper with the TP valve because it's part and parcel of the thing. So people do. They, they put extensions and they put adapters and they get, they get the wrong type of valve for the geyser and so now they have to put an adapter in or whatever and that's a no-no. You may not touch that valve. It's got to be the correct one, installed at the correct place, etc. Uh, the, 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 the probe that we spoke of, the temperature probe, it's a thin little sort of an 8 millimeter in diameter little white probe that goes and it sits in the water of the tank. It protrudes into the tank. That has to protrude into the tank by at least 15 millimeters. That's the, that's the rule. That's the standard. That's what the standard says. And um, if it doesn't, by for whatever reason, in other words, you've put an extension or you've you've jimmied it, you've put a T-piece, you've created a banjo valve or whatever the case may be, now it's a problem already. Notwithstanding the fact that you've already jimmied with a valve, you've mm. you've 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 taken away its ability to sense temperature um, efficiently. Mm. So that's a compromise its integrity. Compromise the integrity. So, yeah. Any tampering with that valve is a no-no. And then, of course, same as any other component, general failure. You can have a valve which is a it, – it just becomes defective or whatever, the, whatever happened. Maybe somebody dropped it just as they were, you know, installing it or whatever, or whatever the case. Maybe it starts to leak. So you can have a general failure of a, of a valve. But whatever the case may be, you know, you could usually diagnose it because if it is damaged – uh, sometimes it can start to discharge prematurely or when you don't want, when you least expect it. But um, yeah, and then the calcification is the only one that you don't really, as a layperson or even as a plumber looking at it, you can't really pick up on it until you've removed the thing and looked, mm. in it, looked at it. G given that it is such a critical device and, and the factors that you've just mentioned, uh, mentioned now, um, you just said the last words that you just said was that you know you can't really determine these things that could possibly go wrong with it until you actually take a look at it and and, and take it out and have a look at it and, and sort of inspect it. Mm. Should it be checked often? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, that's that, that's what I was alluding to. You should check it. Uh, I mean, uh, we're all guilty of it. When I say we, I talk about plumbers. We're all guilty of it. You know, we've got jobs to do. We've got our days lined up and we come and have a look at a geezer. The TP valve from the outside looks fine. So we uh, we neglect to take it out and look at it. And I've done that a hundred times. But but we should because, in, in, in fact, it's, it's the onus is on the homeowner and the onus before that is on us to tell the homeowner that they must uh, take ownership of it and have it checked out once, what, a year and call a plumber out to say, just come and give my geezer a once-over, including the TP valve. If you understand the function of a TP valve and you understand it's uh, uh, um, the danger of not working properly, um, you will you will you, you will understand that uh, it's necessary to check it out uh, at least once a year to 18 months. I would say. Because calcification will will build up, and if you if you come across it once, you then know that you are prone to it, and you will be more vigilant. So, so that particularly can be 
can be addressed. It can be addressed just by regular maintenance. So definitely. Um, the other thing you should always do is follow the manufacturer's recommendations. If they say to you, have a look at the thing uh, once every 18 months or, or a year, 12 months, do so. It, it is in your best interest. Yeah. yeah. Before we continue with our conversation, have a listen to this. Don't forget to download the all-new and improved App Plumber from the Google Play Store. All your plumbing solutions are just a click away, exclusively for Android users. All right, Richard, I want to get back to what happens. <laughs> Should it just discharge? I mean, we spoke mm. about in the instance that it can be so, so that, that boiling hot water, it needs to go somewhere when it discharges, oh. when, it, when it flows or overflows. Um, uh, what about this the overflow pipe are there any requirements for the pipe what happens where does it go where does it come out and rush out would tell me a little bit more about the overflow itself yeah you, you th this is one of the critical things on on any giza installation villain and uh, unfortunately it's where we as an industry have fallen short over the last two or three decades um, where we, we just haven't done it's it's coming it's turning around now um, you know we, we we see the much much more compliant installations but uh, you know a while ago we used to uh, just and, and I include myself because just out of sort of ignorance you know we we just didn't we just didn't pay enough attention to this thing so there are many requirements surrounding this pipe and if uh, those requirements uh, reside in SANS 10254 um, so, firstly, and I'm, I'm not going to get into the details, but I'll give you an overview of the various requirements for this pipe. Firstly, maximum length of the, of the pipe. So, without getting into too much detail, the maximum length of a regularly sized TP discharge pipe. In other words, the same size pipe as the outlet of the valve. Remember um, that the pipe has to be at least the same diameter as the outlet of the valve, which is 22 millimeters in a normal domestic geyser. Uh -huh. So for a 22 mil pipe, the maximum length is 4 meters. If you need to exceed that 4 meter length, you then increase the size of the pipe throughout its whole length to, by one size to 28 millimeter, and then you may run that pipe for a maximum of 9 meters. Sure. And that's the cutoff. That is as far as a plumber is allowed to go. If it needs to go more than that or exceed that or, or deviate from that, you need what we call a rational design. And that is what an engineer must give you. You then plumb to that rational design. And the responsibility for that design and the valve and everything is removed from the plumber. And it's now on the shoulders of the engineer. So for a plumber, from a plumber's perspective, four meters at normal diameter or maximum nine meters for one size up, i.e. 28 mil. That's the length story. Then the pipe material. In fact, before we get to pipe material, I want to talk about, sure. because we're talking about length, there is a mitigating factor that comes into the length as well. Within that maximum length, you're allowed a maximum of three changes of direction. So, if we talk about four, the 4 meter length because I'm plumbing it in 22 mil pipe, I'm allowed three changes of direction within that 4 meters. Mm -hmm. If I'm talking about 9 meters, 
I'm still allowed three changes of direction within that nine meters. If I want to make a fourth change of direction, I then need to reduce the total distance, i.e. either four from four meters or from nine meters, whichever may be, I need to reduce that maximum allowable length by 600 millimeters for every additional change of direction I require over and above the first three that are allowed. So for a fourth change of direction, the maximum distance goes from four to 3.4 meters. If I've, if sure. I've plumbed it in 28 mil, the maximum allowable distance goes from nine to 8.4 meters. It, it, it now becomes so, so much more clear <laughs> that plumbing, you know, plumbing is a lot more complex than what the average consumer out there realizes. Um, and I hope that the consumers listening to these podcasts now begin to understand that the value that plumbers bring to the, to their homes and to, to the buildings and, and yeah, I mean, the calculations that you need to do as a plumber, I mean, talk about math. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's good. But yeah. you, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all right, so, so I'm going to allow you to continue now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, yeah, no, but, but you're right, Willem. I mean, if, you know, essentially, the, 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 there are rules there, there, and there are regulations. And, and, and it might be simple when, when you know it, but if you don't know it, you don't know it. And mm. you put people in danger. Yeah. So we've spoken about the maximum length and the changes of direction within that length because they're kind of linked to one another. Those changes of direction are limited in, 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 in how you're allowed to do them. Let me explain. So you cannot just put a 90-degree elbow in a TP discharge pipe. It is too restrictive. It doesn't allow... Uh, for a smooth flow rate or an unrestricted flow rate. The maximum radius of the bend or change of direction that you're allowed to install in a TP discharge pipe is 45 degrees. Hmm. It has to be a 45 degree bend maximum. If you want to make or change direction by 90 degrees, you have to use two 45 degree uh, bends next to one another. Now that becomes two changes of directional, okay? <laughs> two of the three allowed. <laughs> Or you can make what they call a, a long radius bend or install what they call a long radius bend. So that is a, that is a, a length of pipe that traditionally has been bent in a, in a pipe bender and maintaining its diameter across its uh, radius. Um, there are additional – they talk about the long radius has to be at least five times the diameter of the pipe, uh, the, so etc. But most pipe benders will make a 90-degree bend with sufficient radius to allow for – that to be counted as one change of direction, albeit it is 90 degrees. So if you need to change direction by 90 degrees three times, you either have to upsize your pipe or you have to um, shorten it or you have to use long radius bends. So a combination of those three, you know, you can look at it and you can figure it out yourself how and where you're going to take this pipe to. Mm. So that's the that's the changes of direction and the length sorted out. But there's also requirements surrounding the material of the pipe. It has to be metallic. Because of the heat that might go through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're talking uh, worst case scenario, 
98 degrees, uh, <laughs> even even hotter. I mean, we're talking steam, you know. Mm. So it it is it 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 you you can't have a plastic pipe in there. It's just going to deform and melt. And, and we've seen, you must see what these valves do if they're not properly installed, and and what this overflow does. It the, Dude, it melts stuff and blows it out the other end like you got no tomorrow. So it's got to be metallic. It's got to be supported. It's got to be properly inclined down towards the outlet. Now, there's a there's a lot of have there has been a lot of misunderstanding about the word metallic. So people looked at the word in the standards and they said, oh, it can be metallic. They didn't look at anything else. So what started to happen is there's a there's a, a light duty. It's not even a plumbing pipe. It's like a conduit, electrical conduit thing. I don't even know if they use it for fence posts somewhere in China, but they, but they, they sell this this light galvanized tubing, which is not even a plumbing pipe, and it's almost the same size. It's slightly small, and the guys just put that in. Now it's completely unacceptable to do something like that for a number of reasons. And there's a so. First of all, the diameter of that pipe is, is, is undersized. Second of all, it has got no system. It is not a plumbing pipe. Therefore, you cannot join it by means of any acceptable system. Every time you try and join it, you're doing, some, you're doing a MacGyver. Um, so whatever pipe you choose to use has to be a dedicated and acceptable plumbing system. It has to be a plumbing pipe. You cannot go and use any metallic tube off the shelf that is not a plumbing pipe. Remember that we, plumbing pipe has particular properties. It has uh, a, a certain inside diameters, certain outside diameters, certain methodologies, methodologies of jointing, etc. So without going into detail, I want to just say, whatever your choice of pipe is, it can be stainless steel, fine. It can be galvanized. However, remembering that the galvanized Internal diameter is the nominal diameter, whereby a copper pipe, for example, outside diameter is the nominal diameter. So again, I'm, I'm getting technical where I don't want to get technical, Willem, but <laughs> long story short, if you use galvanized piping, it's got to be the plumbing piping, and it's got to be upsized by one because of the discrepancy between the internal and external diameters. You can't just use 22 or 20 or three-quarter inch uh, piping because – and so it becomes very complicated. And, and you now have to have a threading machine on site, and it becomes ridiculous. Mm. So it's the by far the most simple method of plumbing out a TP discharge pipe is in copper because it comes with the solder fittings, which can be used, and those fittings are 45 degrees. So that's the – best way of plumbing it out. It needs to be supported and it needs to be discharged outside to a visible position. But there's one other thing that I want to say here, and I know I'm, there's a bit of a monologue here, sorry, but the, <laughs> the position of this overflow pipe, Willem, I said to you earlier that this thing, 40 liters a minute of kettle water that is that is a that is a that is a hell of a story. Yeah, and and it kills people and it kills uh, animals, etc. Um, so it goes without saying that the position of this charge, this discharge, is critical. You have got to make decisions surrounding: is it safe? What if the, what if this thing is discharging at forty liters a minute? Remember, if there's steam in the system, that now you have a compressed air story, 
And that thing, oh man, I tell you, it, it's, it's terrifically dangerous. So it's got to be led to the outside. It has to be visible and it has to be safe. And, 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 and by safe, you, you, you've got to think for yourself, if this thing discharges at that rate, is there anything in that path there? Or potentially, is there anything? Is, is there a walkway there? Is there a, an outside garden table with chairs there? Mm. I mean, so you can't just have it pointing anywhere. Usually, what we would like to see is that the thing is at least pointed down towards the ground against a blank wall. Um, there are other ways of doing it, but and we're not going to get into that. But suffice it to say that the discharge position of this thing needs to be very carefully considered. So those are the basic rules around the, around the discharge pipe of that. Just before wrapping up this conversation, have a listen to this. Plumber training has never been easier with articulated plumber courses. Enroll now to upskill yourself at your own pace and earn CPD points. Our informative and easy-to-follow courses can be found on iopsitraining.co.za. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Articulated Plumber. Richard, you know, it's obvious that... Um there is so much to to be taken into consideration. I mean, and again, I hope that the the consumers that are listening out there, for the plumbers, this may be common knowledge, you know, and some of them may have, have gotten valuable information out here. You know, there may be learner plumbers that may be listening to these podcasts that may learn very valuable information from this. But getting back to the consumers, the average consumer does not know this kind of information. The average consumer does not know exactly how complex uh, plumbing actually is and the factors that have to be taken in co- into consideration, the rules and the regulations that plumbers have to comply with, the requirements that plumbers have to comply with. And, and, and the fact that these requirements and the rules and the regulations set for plumbers are there to protect. They, you know, they're both there to ensure the safety of the, the health and safety of the consumer as well as to increase the effectivity of the product and the installation. And I really do hope that the consumers that, that have listened to this episode have learned some valuable information. So I want to thank you for the information that you've shared, and I want to thank you for your time and your effort again, um, Richard. So thanks for that. Yeah, it's only a pleasure, Willem. And, and yeah, I, I, I completely agree with what you've just said. You know, it's a, yeah, there, there is so much um information out there there is so much um <laughs> critical critical information that people should know about their their plumbing and i don't we don't go and say ah every homeowner has to become a qualified no that's not what we're saying and we nor mm. nor are we pretending as an industry i think that that plumbing you know is more important than electrics or is more important than you know electric fence or or bricklaying or plastering for that matter. No, it's just that the, this information is, and the, that's why these podcasts are so lucky. They come mm-hmm. out and they, they, are, they make this type of, I'm going to call it high-level information, uh, available and accessible to the, to the consumer. Awesome. Richard, thanks to you. And lastly, thanks to our audience. We hope to see you next time like to encourage our audience to follow Articulated Plumber on Instagram and Facebook to learn more about any exciting and interesting news that we may have. Our handle on both Instagram and Facebook is Articulated Plumber. 
Thanks for having tuned in. Make sure to read more about the PIRB on our website at pirb.co.za and on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.